America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, put. Think about that. I want to sit down and cry a river of tears. All the major internets do that. Well, I've got news for you. You are mine now. This is the Brian Suits Show. Hey, um, some of the KTGH. How you doing? Uh, I come from the part of the sound where well, it's a late start day anyway, but it's a double dog late start day because it's thawed, then it froze again, so it's just a sheet of ice, and no one has any skilled drivers who can drive booses, and uh, so anyway, check your local area. We're, we're at a point in time in human history where you can, you can reach into your pocket and there's a device to tell you whether or not your uh, school bus is on an altered route or whatever, and do I need to tell you that, you know, really? Yeah, lots of two hours late uh, school times today, and some closures even. Um, yeah, we're kind of we're not, you know, obviously, you know, we, we delight in a, a free, high quality public education. But if they want to say, well, for the sake of safety, we're calling it uh, a snow day, a June day. I'll you know, we won't complain. Uh, so we've got so it's supposed to be like in the 50s by tomorrow. And the rains shall arrive so again. And the, we're at, we're at officially at the ugly snow part of the uh the saga you know beautiful white peaceful that that was thursday um we're at the point now we haven't gotten any new snow you, you, you need the new snow to cover up the crappy old snow we're now at the dirty melted snow now we're at the um threat to your life and limb and i had 60 miles on the tank and so there was a place open lights on i pull in Back in 15 minutes, there's a sign on the door. It's, it's like cause I had cash. I was paying cash. They had a cash price and all, and all that. Wow. Um, also, fo folks, the anecdote alert. What are the odds of this? You know, uh, a sunroof is always glass, right? <clears throat> um, a object, a metallic object, um, heavy in nature, went fly. I didn't even see it. It flew. It arced up. Uh, on, this is on the Federal Interstate Highway 5, and it landed directly in the middle of the sunroof glass. Was it a rock? I don't know, but it left a hole. It didn't It didn't go in. Uh, it bounced off, and it left behind a sunroof that is spiderwebbed, right? Oh, that's no good. And so I, I had to, you know, go home, look at it, and I, and I said to myself, Brian, that thing is shattered. <clears throat> that's over. And uh, no time to do anything about it yesterday. And besides, there's no, like, drive-through. You know, just fix my sunroof. Here you go. I have a bunch of money. And you turned to the sunroof and said, You have stolen my dreams. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the sunroof said back to me, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do this to me, how about, how about uh, this? No. The sunroof said, well, anyway, I'm sure the sunroof said something back to me. It wasn't, uh, uh, it said this. You let it all run to hell. Well, that was today because How dare you? I had I had to drive the car today because the tires are they're they're better tires for this weather. So I get in, um, you know, and I have the the you know the plastic thing close. I'm I'm not like in a you know frozen uh, convertible or something like that. And then I get up to highway speed and it decides, yeah, that's it, <laughs> that's it for me. <laughs> and and it slowly just peel. And I mean, it was. It's spiderwebbed. It was just shattered. And it just decided every single piece, it wasn't like safety glass to 
peel off and just leave, leave a trail of breadcrumbs, shiny breadcrumbs up by five. That's not right. And uh, on its way out. That's not fair. I'll, I'll, You're fascinating to talk to. That was it on the way out. It said uh, it said that. So uh, anyway. Uh, all right. Well, uh, some things enhance your job and some things do not. Uh, and in the field of sports reporting, uh Credibility, I think, is based on knowledge. Uh, I got to say, if you can, like, you know, at will recall that in uh, 2018, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, was a uh, 85% uh, uh, completion quarterback at Texas Tech, you know, you, okay, you're, you've you, you, you've got to flex on other reporters and things like that. I don't know how this works, but but I do know this. Uh, if I as a as a viewer. As a fan, if you're interviewing Todd Bowles, former player, a great player, now coach of the Buccaneers, heading up to the Lions to lose, if you're interviewing him, and this is yesterday, Tuesday, the press conference day, uh, just I'm out here just taking all your questions. Todd Bowles is up there, and the reporter fires this gem away for probably her final day as a sports reporter. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the... Okay, don't shout out the answer. <laughs> Wait for it. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? Let him do it. You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I, I, it's funny. You have to have headphones on, I think, to hear him say, you do know. that that You never want the baseball manager, the basketball coach, or the football coach to start his answer off with, you do know. <laughs> now, I don't know much about anything. You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. And the thing is, he feels bad for her. He, he's making he's making the face like he did something wrong. He's His eyes go wide. He's like, uh, where do I start? But he talk about gracious. Man, you do. If I'm in his position and you ask me that question, the sarcasm train is leaving uh, platform B. Kind Hard. of incredible. Hard, actually. And also, never mind me. You should see sports reporters when if you if you um, if you say Harbaugh never coached uh, Stanford, oh. they will. Yeah, you get mocked roundly. Oh. They they are uh, you know that's. Not a lot of cry. You know, there's no, you know, okay, there's scoops, but the scoop is like uh, his Achilles is worse than they're saying or whatever. You know, so that's that's why sports is a affectation. You know, it's not serious reporting, so you have no excuse to not get that right. It, Ford Field is a dome. Green Bay, that's an that's a that's a field. I don't know why they do that, but they do, and I kind of like it. It's refreshing. It's kind of CFL. You should see uh, Saskatchewan in in November. You see someone actually walking away with a cheesecake there after the cheesecake factory Frozen was looted. Cheesecake. Unclear cheesecake. where they may have gotten that. And and I mean I, and also by the way, if I was her, I if if that was like her first day, or they said, hey, can you go cover the Bulls presser, 
at, at Buccaneers Field, and, and, and she said, but I'm afraid of their piracy, their, their, their piratic ways. Will they rob me and ravage me? I would go ahead and send someone else, but... ...towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams uh, today. It's, uh, and the more I listen to it, the more I feel bad for her. I was just going to add that because this is every journalist or reporter's or commentator's worst fear is that you say something with such confidence or you ask a question and you're so certain of it, and it just turns out to be completely bogus. I've done that before. Come on. Coach Bowles, uh, I can't help but noticing that you're preparing to play Lions. It's a very fearsome, fast, and... A mighty beast, and there's 11 of them. What are you doing to prepare your men to face uh, this particular giant cat? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that would be my fo my follow-up. If I was the next person that he called on, I would say, I, they and they appear to be all males, according to their helmets. So, I mean, the females are organized. They work as a team. The, the males are like 11 giant cats coming at your guys. Do you think, can Baker Mayfield really outrun an adult Modern, male, grown African lion, sir? What are you going to do? What if they come at you with a cover zero? What if the male lions organize into a cover zero? But, uh, uh, so anyway, I mean, uh, there's nothing we can do. She's getting mocked, and, and she has a name, and she has an outlet. That's her business until probably uh, she can find one of those plastic mailboxes and fill up her emptier desk uh, today. But... That in in sports uh, media that that is reassignable. You you don't you don't know, uh, and I mean you, you can go across the northern tier and you've got Green Bay, Buffalo, Foxborough, and those are the worst weather stadium. That's why um, you know, and when when they're saying oh there should be like a Lions Bills Super Bowl, well it's going to be in Vegas, okay? That uh, is not. <laughs> That's why they're having the Super Bowl in Vegas this year. But it will it will never be in Green Bay. And that's with Green Bay's agreement. Um, and, and that was part of my decision not to renew uh, Seahawks season tickets because we saw the best game that is ever going to be played there. It was an NFC championship home field that the Seahawks win. I didn't see the best, best one, which is the Niners. I saw the Panthers um, on that I. one. But, and that was a good game. It was a solid game, but you know the depression. And the Germans probably have a word for when you realize uh, there's never going to be a Super Bowl in Seattle, and it's like Klein Super Bowl Spielenberg or whatever. But you realize this would be such a great venue for a Super Bowl, but there's never going to be one. And if there was, the Seahawks wouldn't be in that year uh, anyway. And how are you going to prepare your guys for? playing uh, uh, Lions in... 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures you can adopt to. Any special plans to acclimate the... 13 is 13. It, it compares. ...to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit. You do know we play indoors, right? And they got to... Ouch. That, Don't bother me with a question like that. And also, he's holding back. I mean, you can see in his face, he's just... An, the word around the campfire about Todd Bowles is he's a great head coach. People love playing for him. And he... You talk about a hanging curveball, a hanging sarcastic curveball. This is sarcastic Nolan Ryan throws you a sarcastic blue dot <laughs> curveball, and you sarcastically miss it. So...
Uh, anyway. Calling, Todd Bowles gave one of the greatest answers of all time when asked a stupid question about race and how both he and Mike Tomlin are black coaches in the NFL. And this was his response. Oh, this was earlier in the week, right? Uh, no, I think it was, a, I think it was about a year ago, but it's resurfacing because he's giving so many press conferences lately. Uh, you, you and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship was like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at, what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. And then listen to the follow-up and then his answer. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. <laughs> so good. <clears throat> what was the race of the report? Does she sound white? Tomlin, have hey, anyway, good, good, uh, good, good answer. Ex- except that there is an NFL rule called the Rooney Rule when for any job opening. For coach, for head coach or coaching staff, you must interview at least two African American uh, or co- coaches of minority status uh, or or whatever, By because the way, they're, they're trying to sort of artificially. And I got to say, if you're almost uh, trying to set guys up to get fired, all the DEI ready. stuff that's been implemented all around the country—that's the next playground for lawyers, and it's starting to emerge slowly. Uh, litigation over those types of policies because the, you're discriminating yeah. based on race. Because the guy that the Dolphins fired for for the new guy, they ha- he was in above his head. He was beyond his depth, and then they hung on to him longer than they should have because they were afraid to fire him. And if you ask uh, your uncle Mike Tomlin with the Steelers about his contract, he just does this. Mike, you have a year left. There he is, being being chased by adult buffaloes <laughs> uh, called Bills. I don't know why. Uh, all right, time to know it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Know it all. Uh, First thing. If by it you mean everything. Organizers of an effort to repeal the 2021 Climate Commitment Act collected enough signatures to move forward toward the November ballot. The Sex State's office announced uh, yesterday, checking another box for the Republican-backed measure and people that can do math, uh, the act, Washington's landmark climate change policy, requires the state's top polluters to pay for their greenhouse gas emissions by buying allowances at quarterly auctions, and the money just goes to the state. It doesn't go to, like, save Brazilian rainforests or any, even that offset crap. It just goes right into the state. So as long as the initiative sticks to that and avoids math, and I, besides the uh, the other thing I would do, remember a year ago what was really popular were the Biden stickers at the gas pump. I and still see those. I I don't I haven't seen any uh, in a while. If I were, I I would project right now that the price of gas though lowering right now will be going up because like for instance 
Shell just announced that it's going to take longer uh, to to get oil to Europe. If oil gets uh, is more expensive in Europe, it's going to be gas is going to be more expensive here. That's just, just how that works. So I'm going to take a wild stab and tell you that nothing is cooling down. There's not it's not it's not a time of Houthi cooling of global Houthi cooling. Um, that's going to get worse, and you can take a stab. You can take your money and buy Jay Inslee pointing to the price of gas stickers and give them to me, and I will put them on. I know, I know four gas stations specifically. I put them on. So, so that's the thing. Thing two already. Look at that. Second thing. Uh, well, the Kitsap County judge that heard the affidavit that Trump's name should be taken off the Washington State. Ballot for the March primary uh, kicked it out. He vacated it and said, get out of my court. Do not darken my doorstep of my court ever again. He pointed out it was the wrong venue, and but that's okay. That's why they also filed the affidavit in God's County, because God's County is where the devil's capital, Olympia, is. And so um, it will be heard in Thurston County tomorrow. I don't know the, 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 the courtroom or whatever. Um, w- will I be there? I'd, I'd like to, but that's a... Uh, Bit of a stretch to get me down there by ten thirty, uh, down in uh, at the uh, the the uh, the the devil's. I almost said a not a bad word. It's a medical term, but I almost said it in in relation to Olympia. But so it will be heard down there. They have to get it ruled on because you got to print the ballot, and that's the bottom line. And will it have Trump's name on it or not? So again, the reasoning here is because Trump is such a threat to democracy. You're going to remove people's ability to choose him on a ballot. Okay, good point. Lesson learned. Here endeth the lesson. Here endeth thing two. Third thing. Well, if uh, you had world's oldest dog stripped of title on your 2024 bingo card, you can go ahead and scratch that off right now. And he has a name, Bobby, B-O-B-I. Bobby died last year at 31 years of age. That is not real. And that's what the Guinness World Record uh, World Records say. Uh, Don't make us release our canine. He's 31. We <laughs> 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 slow that down. Uh, they suspended the title of oldest dog ever that was held by Bobby, the Portuguese dog. The publication says it was reviewing the title after some veterinarians questioned his age. How dare you, sir? The dog was held behind a closed door, and they said, are you sure he's still alive? And they went, yeah, sure, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, doesn't he sound old? A reportedly 31-year-old guard dog, he lived on a farm in the village of Conqueros in Portugal with its owner, Leonel Costa, a known liar. Uh, He was proclaimed as the world's oldest living dog and oldest dog ever ever. last February. He was said to have been born on May 11th, 1992, he died last October. I don't know how how they got the provenance uh, of that. Um, I I shot we got, we got, I got video of my dogs. I I can I can account for the ridge. While our review is ongoing, we have decided to temporarily pause both the record title for oldest dog living and ever, just until all of our findings are in place. Uh, they said, uh, Bobby was a purebred Rafiero. Do Alentejo, a breed that has an average life expectancy of about ten to fourteen years. Um, they can only estimate, like, Wyatt, the three-footer, got got him in a shelter, and uh, Lucille, the coyote, got her in a shelter, too. And they, they can really? all they can do is best guess on that one, and there's not a lot of experience with hybrid coyotes, so it's, like, good 
Good call. I'd like to see some data on this. But 31, I, though. I have an inkling that dogs are living longer and longer in this day and age, partly because medical science has advanced so much, but also in part because human beings are treating their domesticated animals more and more like children or babies or yeah. part of the family. Um, you know, my parents' dogs are pushing 16 years old. And the medical cocktail of pills that they're on right now knows no bounds. And I just feel like you yeah, know, it, it not used normal. to be in you know the 1980s, 1990s, if your pet, if they can't control the bladder, it's time for the, the it, doggy to go. It, yeah, and, and now you've got doggy diapers and taking nine pills and mashing them up in cheeseburgers. And I'm just, I don't, I don't know how long you want. What's the quality of life there? Longest living dog we had was Newman, the, the blue healer, and he was a runt. He should not have lived to 14. Uh-huh. And we we finally, uh, he just had a look in his face, and we, we put him down. Smitty, a big dog, a big, fast dog, 90-pound dog that could chase down a rabbit, right? A great dog, great demeanor. Uh, he was the first dog that laid next to uh, the, the kid when, when we brought her in the car seat. He immediately went and smelled her, and he laid down and guarded her. And one day... He peed the dog bed, and the look on his face was pure mortification, and I didn't go get him dog diapers. Mm -hmm. He said, it's your time. Just explain to her, look, you know, we don't choose when they go. We can only choose how they live, and, you know, and also it hurt him to stand up, you know, the yeah, whole thing. Right, right. And so we took him to the Rainbow Bridge, and and the thing is— the, the, this is like good, Frodo. He went off to that. It was a beyond. great, great growth uh, mechanism for the ten-year-old because she was mature enough to say, "I need to be holding him when oh, he wow. goes." Wow. It was astounding because I was bawling like a gigantic colloquial name for a cat, and because she didn't know how beautiful Athena was, but it was time for him to go. We we're not going to pump him full of. Uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, uh, orthopedic drugs. The good stuff. To hide the pain and stuff like that. As he's watching his his uh, the other dogs in his pack run around him faster, and him knowing I used to be faster than that, you wieners. Did you so. tell your kid that all dogs go to heaven? Yeah, but I'm but I'm telling you, thirty one. Eh, I don't know if I, I, if that came across my Guinness desk, I'd say, nah, let's reject that because I'd want to see like hard numbers. On that, because you you can have three generations of that dog in 31 years. There's no way one dog. But anyway, there's a picture of him. He's look and he looks cute. I'm a little leery because there's no gray in the muzzle. And I mean that's when you start seeing that in 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 your dog. You know that's when you got to start treasuring every every time you have uh, treasuring time like uh, like like this. Does your administration bear responsibility for that? More of that uh, in in a minute. Back in a second, AM seven seventy KTTH. Yeah!
time now, like four Anthony Hopkins movies that must be seen to be believed behind. So, did you ever see The Father? Or no, it's the son. So is it sure. five? It, what's the one he did last year where he's a guy who's slowly losing his memory? Yeah, there's one where he gets Alzheimer's. That is a brilliant film that he won the Oscar for for best actor. It sounds uplifting. It was during the COVID years. It's it's heavy viewing. I will say that. But uh, th- there's a little twist in it that I found profound and very meaningful, worth seeing for sure. So the new movie is Freud's Last Session, and it's about Zygmunt Freud, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh, is this one where it's a showdown between him and C.S. Lewis, or is that a different movie? And Matthew Good, who if you saw him, you'd recognize him as C.S. Lewis, and Freud... While C.S. Lewis is lying down on the couch, Freud eats his liver. That's that the fact? crazy part. That's what Anthony Hopkins brings to the Freud role. I think you might be mixing up a few uh, films, Wouldn't that be though. a great movie, though, if that Freud turns it. out to be a cannibal? Do you think Hollywood can really do C.S. Lewis justice, though? I'm going to be really interested to see how he's portrayed. It better, because I don't read the books. <laughs> you don't read Mere Christianity? No. Oh, come on. Um, but... Uh, Freud's last session starring Anthony Hopkins as Zygmunt Freud. He's 86. What do you, I mean, Michael Caine retired. Yeah, he was like, I've had enough. Said, Roy, I've had enough of wearing other people's clothes, memorizing other people's words. Hopkins can't get enough. Michael Caine is going to retire to a bloody lake and catch all the fish in the bloody lake and eat them. Um, but anyway, so Anthony Hopkins is Zygmunt Freud. And I, <clears throat> the wild stab. I, I'm going to say it's not fiction because Sigmund Freud fled Vienna before the actual Nazis. <laughs> he might have been afraid of Trump, but the actual Nazis, led by the actual Austrian, the founder of the Nazi, well, not founder, but leader of the Nazi party, uh, Adolf Hitler, showed up. And he did go to Britain, and C.S. Lewis is British, in, in, in need of psychiatric help. So anyway. Eat his liver with some fava beans. But I mean, I, nice just, I, I can't. I'm being told it's the best movie. Well, what are I going to say about 86 year old Anthony Hopkins? He makes a movie at 86. It's going to be the greatest movie ever. You must see it. And you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll fall in love all over let's again. Let's both see it and then let's both discuss. <clears throat> well, you know, um, um, no segue here. China's growth, the economic growth, has slowed to a three decade low, excluding the pandemic. Um, and this is really. We don't notice it because we're we're in the middle of our aquarium, but the American economy is gangbusters. We're printing money. It's going terrific. The, the, the Europeans look with envy at our inflation rate, at everything, at our unemployment rate. And uh, the, I, I'm just telling you, if you're thinking, oh, things are real bad, well, compare it to Belgium, all right, or, or all of Europe. Anyway, things are really good here. And the Europeans are terrified because this is something that was sort of left out of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the Steal Your Your Engineer Act, because the federal tax incentives for making everything from uh, batteries to solar panels to wind turbines are so great that all the engineers from Europe are moving to America. Try Idaho, uh, by the way. And meanwhile, the Chinese are trying to still dump panels on us, but they're not... Their economies in the pooper. There's so much leverage in China. <clears throat> um, like uh, th- there is a property development company that's 300 billion dollars in the hole. They have no idea where they're going to get that. 
there's an online loan company that basically declared Chinese default today. And what what happens when commie owned companies default? They pay you nothing. They 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 don't say you know come come take the desks and the computers. You just get a, a busy signal when you call. Okay, but the real problem with China is coming home to roost, and that is that President Xi, who's never made an honest yuan in his life, doesn't know how to rescue a moribund economy. No communist does. No Castro. No Lenin. No, she knows how to invigorate a moribund economy. And if you can't present a future that encourages women to make babies, then you're in a demographic toilet like China is. So the population conti continues to shrink. And 1980, uh, when they introduced the one-child policy, they realized uh, what a disaster that was. They ended the policy in 2015, but if you do the math on that one, nine-year-olds can't go to war. Okay, and, and you, if you have a second kid, it's going to be nine or six. So it's going to be 15 years before you can have a military-age population that you can expend. Because nations really are more likely to go to war when they have surplus males, okay? When there's a shortage of people, uh, chances are, and this is what, I, what I've said, something that's never appreciated in, in American media or analysis is if she goes to war to reunify Taiwan with China, he's going to lose thousands of only sons and he will not survive. He wants to survive politically and he wants his name. He wants uh, uh, Taipei to be renamed Chairman Xi City. I mean, he really does. Um, in significant dates are... Um, 2020 was the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. They didn't invade Taiwan. 2024, no, 2025 is the 100th anniversary of the People's Liberation Army. And they're not going to be ready to invade. There's, and because as weird and arcane as it seems, dates are important to them uh, on this. Uh, well, uh, China's ruling Communist Party is facing a national emergency, and that's the word for it. And by the way, sh to Xi, every emergency looks like a nail. Uh, to fix it, the party wants more women to have more babies. How do you women feel about that? Quick, have more babies. So get your handmaid's tail or handmaid. What's it called? Handmaiden's tail? The handmaiden's tail? Uh, interchangeable. Yeah, get get the, get those metaphors ready, but instead of Trump, make it Xi. Uh, so they've offered women cheaper housing, tax benefits, and cash. It's also invoked patriotism, calling on them to be good wives and mothers. Promise with, with their crappy economy, they're saying, bring more kids into this crappy economy for, for Chairman Xi. And you know, is there a level of patriotism that you could do this and women would get pregnant? I can't speak for Chinese women. If, if the patriotic fervor is so great that, that you, would have, you would crank out kids for this. That worked in the 1920s and 30s in the Soviet Union, uh, where there were real benefits. Putin revived that when he suddenly became president in uh, on on New Year's Day 2000. The country was in a demographic decline. He turned it around with this cash, and it worked. It actually worked. 24 years later, uh, they do have uh, a surplus of men. They're certainly doing their part to get rid of that surplus. 
but she can't do anything about this. Economies need workers, by the way. Uh, and also the other great news for China, being sarcastic here, is that their population is aging faster than any others except Japan's in the world. So you're not having babies at that end. <clears throat> and your population is aging really fast at this end. So can just consider that the time you live in, 2024, um, it's a 20-year demographic. It's a basketball passing through a python. And the next basketball should be bigger, and the next one bigger, next one bigger. You always want to grow demographically. You always want people to want to come to your country. Sound familiar? Um, and and people are fleeing China and going to Ecuador to walk up here. So it, it it's not set up well for for she. There's nothing he can do to order them to make babies. It it was interesting. A hundred years ago, in the Dominion of Canada, was a little province called Quebec, and it was primarily made up of francophones, people who identify as French and speak French as a primary language primarily Catholic. They were not having kids, and they were about to be demographically overshadowed by the English. The Catholic Church ordered their priests to tell people, for the sake of the Quebecois, have babies. And they actually, one of the few successful times that a demographic uh, downturn was turned around was Quebec 100 years ago, when the Catholic Quebecers made babies. For a decade, they made the babies. And they saved hockey and Quebec. And that's how they did that. That's what you have to do. What What is she going to do? And they, they had orders from the Vatican to make babies. So I don't know. What's the higher authority, Marx or uh, the Pope? Uh, but anyway, that, those are Xi's challenges. He has zero background as a dedicated lifelong communist, a, a communist communist, in fact, of uh, how to turn that around, much less uh, the female reproductive issue. Back in a second, AM 770 KTTH. I'm 770 KTTH, Brian Stutz here. Well, it sure looks like a good movie. And by the way, it, it's a fictional meeting that C.S. Lewis and Zygmunt Freud could have met in 1939 in London, but uh, there's no record of it whatsoever. And it is uh, basically uh, an avatar. It is a religious debate between the uh, notorious atheist Zygmunt Freud and uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, so-called Christian apologist, author of Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, Chronicles of Narnia, God in the Dock. <laughs> Those popular books? Yeah. Okay. I enjoyed them. I'll say this. It is it is interesting, the, uh, the, the trailer. And also, because it's fiction, you can write whatever you want. It's not like, you know, Freud's like, oh, wait, I have to hit record or whatever. But uh, Supreme intellect would suddenly abandon truth and then embrace. And, and, and they would, because Freud had called out C.S. Lewis for how can you be as brilliant as you are and then uh, believe uh, this uh, Bible thing. 
And so they they flesh that out. So it, it looks very rentable. I'll say that. It's suddenly abandoned truth and then embrace a ludicrous dream, an insidious lie. Well, I wholeheartedly disagree. Well, of course you disagree. You have to disagree. Otherwise, the entire structure of your childish faith would collapse into a rubble. Why does... Um, spoiler, C.S. Lewis converts him on his deathbed. Sigmund Freud converts to Christianity after fleeing Nazi tyranny in Austria. So that that is quite an ending. It's almost like um, Quentin Tarantino in Inglorious Wait, Bastards. So, so Hopkins is playing Freud in this movie? Yeah. Okay, you know what's My review would be that? Anthony Hopkins' accent's brilliant, and it's so rentable. Here's a cinematic history factoid for you. In 1993, Sir Anthony, uh, Anthony Hopkins played C.S. Lewis in Shadowlands. Whoa, full uh, circle, what bro. What a twist some 30 years later. No one cares. It uh, it it uh, it looks it's brooding and dark and uh, it's just two characters from a play, a two actor play. And uh, like I say, I don't know how you end that. If it's fiction, how do you end that? Well, and who gets to decide who wins? <clears throat> Obviously, the author of this play slash movie. I I'm guessing they side with Freud in the end. I don't over C. S. Lewis because uh, secular people tend to misinterpret. Uh, yeah, C.S. Lewis walks out of Freud's of his work. Walks out of Freud's house saying, "I I owe you a debt I can never repay, Doctor Freud. You have <laughs> you have." Um, I guess my Christianity is just wrapped up in my mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and my the lion in Narnia was a Christ figure. Why? Who am I kidding? But anyway, sometimes a cigar isn't just a cigar. Yeah, but thanks thanks for this really huge one. And so I um. And, you know, it looks well acted, but I, you know, I, 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 I'm so burned by that Scorsese, that three and a half hour. Um, Slog? What was that thing Did called? Did you watch Killers of the Flower Moon? No. I have yet to see and it. And then a year, he gives me a year off and he comes out with that for three and a half hours. Yeah. I, it's still on my list. Yeah. So don't burn me with a long movie. So are you fed up with – so first of all, all the rage is these three, four-hour podcasts that people can't get enough of. And now the new thing is these master filmmakers making three- to four-hour films. Without a pee break. And my wife, Kendra, was like, I'm just so sick of men – uh, being overly self-indulgent with their creative work these days. She's just tired of listening to men talking ad nauseum. And, and I kind of agree with her analysis. I know. And my and, and, and flea bladder Brian, I did not, I didn't uh, pull the trigger on my brilliant idea. And someone else now has a website. Um, my brilliant idea would, would be the, the P meter app, right? You go into a movie, you've mm -hmm. got an app, you put the movie's title in. And within a day of it being released, certain designated influencers are are putting up scenes where you can get away for one minute and go use the bathroom and not miss anything. And I if like you do that. feel like you need to see something, it, there's a quick little display, quick little uh, narrative that says, uh, Freud punches C.S. Lewis right in the junk and C.S. Lewis <laughs> That's a fulcrum um, of the movie. becomes an atheist or whatever. But so anyway, you, you don't miss anything and you don't come back in the theater and go... What I miss? Oh, um, well, the guy in the black cloak says that he's Luke's dad. Shh, be quiet up there. And then the guy, then Luke, uh, yells no, and then wants to fight him with his lightsaber. And then, and then, okay, I mean, so are you not entertained? You, you, you avoid a whole bunch of things, and but because other people, normal bladders weren't suffering like I, like I suffer. Now the long movies come out.
And what was it? The Ita- what was the movie with De Niro as uh, the guy that killed Jimmy Hoffa? The it's- Irishman. Yeah, the Irishman. Yeah, that's right. And it took three and a half hours to get to that holy shot down theory. By the way, <clears throat> but um, so anyway, uh, Freud's last session, uh, rentable. And Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony, does a good accent. And You're so excited. That's, that's my review uh, on that one. Anyway. Let's call it men talking. Uh, it's Wednesday, almost at 8, 8 a.m., and we haven't mocked Kamala Harris. Bring so it on. We are absolutely falling down on the job. Now, let's warm up by mocking John Kerry, who the word was he was retiring as climate czar, and all of the polar bears on Earth collectively got together and cried. Um, and uh-huh. so, but what's he doing? Uh, I am not retiring, folks. <laughs> uh, I, want to make it. I want to assure all the polar bears on Earth. I am shifting my efforts to where I think uh, they could be best used in an election year in the United States. Uh, and uh, facing the fact that the Congress is not going to obviously grab this by the baton the way you all are. Okay, I want to point something out. There's a really good Substack. A, a guy who, out of out of pocket, uh, flew to Florida to meet with the DeSantis campaign last May, and was hearing them all pump up the resumes and the whole thing. But as they were saying, "Oh, um, hi, I'm JD, and I am the um, young influencer, 25 and below coordinator." Uh, for the East Coast, um, and I worked on the insert name of losing campaign here, right? And the guy was noticing nobody around the room worked on a winning presidential campaign. I'd be saying that to John Kerry. What do you bring to the table? You lost. You 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 ginned up your phony Vietnam record, and you lost anyway. He did go to Vietnam. That being said. <clears throat> he went for 90, he was there for 90 days. And- Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling, there are rules. Yeah, man, I'm talking about personal space. So- I did not watch my buddies die face down in the muck so that this could waltz around Vietnam, man. Well, there isn't literal no, connection Walter there. Walter, face it, there isn't any connection. You're wrong. That, 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 that was his entire campaign. Was Oh, that was someone else that threw their medals over the White House uh, fence. Um, I'm the Vietnam War hero. But he was there for 90 days, and he retroactively claimed a wound that he didn't claim would happen. So he got his third Purple Heart, and he got to leave. And then he hasn't dropped it since. But but anyway, um, yeah, so he's he's, leave, he's surrendering the climate. He's killing the polar bears to try to get Graham Potus reelected. But, I mean, he tried to get himself elected, and it failed. And, I mean, what was his biggest... I mean, it's not like we were still in the 9-11 hangover. You know, that, that, well, I don't know. Um, I tried to memory hold those years. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. But, but I would say George W. Bush pantsed him, just beat him. And that was that. And maybe if John Kerry, if that's the lesson, don't get beat. <laughs> Don't get beaten like a circus monkey. And he didn't even need hanging chads to do it. No, I know. And I think it was a pretty resounding re-election by George Bush. It was. But uh, anyway, and John Kerry was the best thing to do at that point. Now uh, the incumbent is. Normally the incumbent should be. But can John Kerry right this ship? Because after all, he's a sailor is what he is. Uh, back in a second, um, 
We'll we'll complete the thought about the Kamala Harris uh, audio that we have because she's talking about the border, an issue that solves itself, evidently. Back in a second, AM 770 KTTH.